Welcome to The Red Podcast, a place for bold, inspired, outrageously courageous, and just a tad bit naughty women leaders come together. I'm Elaine Kalila, and I'm the founder of the Priestess Presence Temple, a sisterhood of over 80,000 women. For the past 25 years, I've had the great pleasure and privilege of supporting, inspiring, catalyzing, and initiating women to remember who they are. The Red Podcast is a place where you can come to lean into your edges, listen for that which yearns to be expressed more fully through you, and to say yes to the places that probably scare you. More importantly, I'm going to be talking with some amazing women who are spiritual and grounded, and we're going to be chatting about what it takes for each one of us to step into the legacy of our purpose and fully bring it to the world that we're here to co-create. Your presence is a gift, so I say bring it. We're here to listen to your red, your leading edge, that place of evolution within you. Hope you enjoy the conversations. Well, hello there, my beautiful red women. It is Elaine Kalila here, back with yet another episode of the Red Podcast. And today, I'm so excited to be welcoming back into my enclave a sister that I met a few years ago. I think it was even six or seven years ago at this point, Saima Karel. Hello, my darling. Hello, beloved sister. Such a pleasure to be here with you. Yay. Well, I want to tell you a little bit. I, I met Saima. We just figured this out, right? <laughs> menopause brain. Um, we just figured this out that I interviewed Saima, I don't know, in 2016, I think it was, for an offering I was then doing called the Queen's Council. And I was calling all the sovereign queens to come and talk. And now here we are all these years later. And I'm back with Saima because I've been watching her journey from afar, as I do with all of you who are out there doing the amazing work of walking the footsteps of the goddess and bringing her back to life. And the temple that Saima curates and offers amazing works for is called the Flourishing Goddess. Flourishing Goddess. And if you could see an image of her right now, you would see that Saima is wearing red, which is very apropos since we're on the red podcast. And over her shoulder is the goddess, Lakshmi, who is pouring forth her blessings to us. So I have no doubt that today's conversation is going to be blessed with a lot of abundance, a lot of fruits, a lot of beauty, and a lot of devotion when we start talking about what it means to be a living goddess and to really connect into our lineages around that. So, Simon, I'm so honored that you're here, honey. Thank you for saying yes. It's my honor. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So let's start because I know that you weren't always on the track of the goddess, like so many of us, right? We've all had many lifetimes within one lifetime. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. Right? Yes. And um, you could say that the mark of the Divine Feminine Mysteries is our ability to be able to let ourselves die to a previous life and be reborn into a new one, and that is really at the heart of the Feminine Mysteries. Mm -hmm. I'd love to hear you talk a little bit about your own journey from being in the corporate world, from who you were prior to meeting with the Goddess, and then really how did she show up in your life to initiate you and bring you onto this path? Because I think many of us have these stories, and I find them endlessly fascinating to hear what that was for each one of us. So wherever you want to begin, with. Sure. Well, my journey to the goddess was always inevitable, but um, it would have seemed very unlikely given that I was raised in a very, uh, you know, Muslim, very religious, but unfortunately also very abusive and oppressive household. Uh, mainly the abuse was from my father. And so 
he is the ultimate patriarch and the tyrant. And here I come out on the other side, the flourishing goddess. I know. <laughs> right? And just the, right, the divine destiny of it. And, you know, when we think of the hero's journey and the movies that we watch, the we are all heroines of our own life. And I feel like we are all forged into the hero and the warrioress uh, by how we need to liberate ourselves from the patterns that we maybe on a soul level sign up for, but can be so painful and difficult coming in. And that experience of early childhood um, led to, of course, the dark night of the soul, we could call it in spiritual terms, but, you know, psychologically, it was obviously PTSD. And my saving grace was the goddess. I was very blessed in the high school that I was in to have access to a counselor. And it was actually a Catholic school. So I had a chaplain to talk to, which was spiritually supportive. Um, to speak of God is very loving and, and uh, in a healing way. But there was something so missing in spite of the counseling, which was very, very helpful. Um, in spite of the spiritual, you know, the Christian spiritual counseling, she was missing. And my healing, especially around some sexual trauma experience outside of my family, was not complete until it came into the body and it came into the womb and it came into the heart and on a soul on a feminine soul level and that is where she came in so she really initiated me uh, in my wake up to her at the age of 14 when I read my first book of uh, horoscopes and I learned I'm a Taurus and I'm ruled by this Greek goddess named Aphrodite and she is the goddess of sexuality and it's sacred it's not sinful it's not like modesty and you know I grow, grow up you have to be covered and if you're showing like your forearm shame on you right you're you're whoring yourself and so to behold this goddess who was worshipped who was birthed naked and everything around her, like, you know, it said that roses bloom for the first time on the earth when Aphrodite was birthed. And the beauty of the feminine, so naked and sexual and sensual and the vessel of love and this goddess, this being who is sovereign in her sexuality and her body is hers, that was my reclamation into healing so much self-guilt and loathing and sin and fear, the religious conditioning, the, obviously the, the abuse. So that was my wake up into the goddess which for me she was a savior and then she was a liberator and then she was an initiator into becoming this flourishing goddess which is my mission to initiate my sisters into and wake them up into um and i met her many times so then the warriors needed to come through in my teens the rebel years and those were the years of the lilith and the kalima energy of no the sacred no and like Lilith choosing exile and abandonment, but needing her freedom, right? Choosing her freedom, even no matter the consequence. That was like me saying no to the abuse, me saying no to being forced to cover myself. My father wanted to force me into an arranged marriage when I was about 17, 18 and saying no and suffering his rejection and ex exile uh, at a certain point being disowned and literally having my belongings put in garbage bags and being disowned. And so it was a lot of oppression, but the goddess initiating me into the price of 
not being true to myself is too high. It's a higher price than being rejected even by my parents. And I'm really grateful for that strength, even at such a young age. Um, and that was a strength that helped me exit eventually from the corporate world. I too, I know your background's in uh, psychology and psychotherapy. So that was my love as well. So I'm a psych major from university. And uh, for some reason I ended up in, <laughs> right. I also love writing. So I ended up in a, as a corporate writer, uh, but obviously didn't find my passion there, but it was more the, again, meeting patriarchy, abusive bosses, which I learned eventually was me needing to end the cycle of giving away my power. You know, when we're children and we're young or something happens to us, even as women, uh, where we are a victim, that needs to be honored, right? But then when we come into place of womanhood and we can make sovereign choices for ourselves, we must choose liberation and our power and ourselves and being true to ourselves. And so exiting that corporate career was um, a Kalima initiation again. It was saying no to the abuse and being told by HR, we're no longer comfortable with you. We're going to ask you to resign. Wow. And then it was like the whole world was shut. Like I would always get recruited for a job, but suddenly I'm applying with all this experience and no one was calling me back. And my beloved actually said, honey, I don't think you belong in this world. And I think you're meant to do something different. And I'm so grateful for, you know, obviously his love and support for, for witnessing that. So it's 2012 that I initiated into Flourishing Lotus was initially my practice. Uh, it's the translation of my first and middle name. And Elaine, what was so interesting is like speaking of leadership and the feminine and the goddess, I was still in a lot of fear. I find when we as women come out of the spiritual closet, there's different, and leadership, there's different phases we'll experience at each level of fear and challenge. And so initially it was just a fear of coming out and being seen, being judged, or being spiritual or woo-woo or whatever. Um, lifetimes of a fear of being persecuted, you know, the witch burnings, I think that lives in our cellular memory um, until we clear and process that. So clearing that, that was 2012, the Flourishing Lotus. And then Flourishing Goddess was birthed in 2016, Ostara. But why I want to share this is because when it was Flourishing Lotus, it was very covered. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? It was very safe. And the client and the success matched my level of comfort in fully coming out and being sovereign and devoting to, I wasn't yet, I was too afraid to fully devote to the goddess because of, you know, just the, where I was in my growth. And um, yeah, I remember thinking like, I have to cover myself or my family's going to think I'm a whore. <laughs> and then by the time flourishing goddess is birthed, I don't care what you call me. Call me a witch and I'll celebrate it. Call me a whore. And I'm like, yes, I am the sacred prostitute. And it's just, you know, it it was a years and years of evolution. And it, at each stage, a rebirth, you know, and, and old identity dying, um, old attachments, old fears dying for the birth of a new version of me. And this newest version of me is the version of me that's birthed, um, in my goddess mystery school that I birthed in 2020, what's so interesting is, as we know, in goddess mystery schools, as you said so beautifully, the cycle of the goddess is one of death and rebirth. And so in the very beginning of this 13 initiations, we meet the void, the empty womb of the goddess, and then Erish, Kigal, and Inanna, so the death and rebirth. And here I am thinking, I've been through so many deaths and rebirths and reincarnation this one life, so I can hold and lead this from the embodiment that I already hold. The goddess 
has her own ways. And I remember reading this in your book as well, Lane, where you very vulnerably shared in the beginning your own initiation with a loss. Mm -hmm. And I remember just feeling you so, so much. Um, you know, sometimes as women, we experience losses in our beings that bring us like Inanna, naked, stripped down and bowed low, just to the very bottom. And here I am leading this mystery school. And we had uh, gone through IVF after years of natural fertility um, journey. And right in the beginning, I was so nervous about leading this mystery school. I had completely restructured my service offering from one-on-one -on -one sessions to a big group container. And so excited and nervous and confident. Uh, in how I could deliver this, but the goddess had me experience that death in my body by losing our final two uh, baby embryos that were implanted right at the beginning. And so every initiation of the journey, I was her. I was the grief of Erish Kigal in the death initiation, in the rebirth. But what's so miraculous is then there's the descent, but then of course there's always the ascent, right? the rising and the new life and the rebirth. And as that was coming along the journey, a miracle opened up and I became pregnant. So we graduated um, on Earth Day and the graduation day was when this new cycle opened up for me and I received my baby. And it was an IVF conception, but that day of the graduation. And by that point, it's we've integrated a full spectrum goddess. We're a queen, the sovereign queen. Um, and it's just her ways never seem to, never cease to <laughs> leave me in awe. That yeah. we may even think that we're ready and we've done it and we've passed the assignments, but she will lead us through new and new depths of her. Wow. Wow. I just want us to all breathe in for a moment because I feel like you just, you know, in everything that you just shared, there's so many pieces that are, of course, your personal fractal of your journey. And when we hear our stories that are our stories, right, repeated to us, I know everyone who's listening shares a part of the story with you, you know, whatever part of it might be. And I, you know, the bigger arc of what you're speaking into of, of you you, you standing up to and choosing to separate from the culture of patriarchy, particularly from an abusive father within that very strict Muslim background. Mm -hmm. It was a, a small being chose to incarnate there of all mm -hmm. to face into the strength that it took for you to go through that horrifying abuse that no one should go through. And yet what you forged from that and your journey to come into the goddess and the journey with the goddess, right? And like you said, when we're really attuning to this work with the divine feminine, you know, as I always say, you know, life is the, is the initiation. We're in the initiation all the time. And mm -hmm. given the opportunity to see the deeper, wider, bigger picture of what's happening and why that is unfolding and in the most mostly in the moment we can't see it right it's only when we zoom the lens out to be able to see that and i find if this is something that i've noticed and it's very interesting I've, I've interviewed quite a lot of women and i've noticed that there is this um storyline because as i hear you talking about losing those two babies through the ivf at the beginning of that mystery school mm -hmm. 
exactly what it happened for me too. It was mm-hmm. I just launching my first group program out into the world in 2016. I had been in person only and I was coming online and bringing this. So this was what, nearly nine years ago now. Mm-hmm. And and I fell pregnant right before I was stepping into that container and I miscarried on Samhain on October 31st while we were in the program. And um, I remember, <laughs> you know, being in that horrifying gr- grief portal of, yes, the Inanna Ereshkigal story of being thrown to my knees. Mm. It was from that experience that, the, that my resolve to bring the temple forward and really my beginning of my journey with the Sophia and with the Magdalene actually really began and the whole mysteries of the rose and everything that I now, you know, I'm teaching alongside the 13 moon mystery school. I also teach the Rosa Mystica mystery school. And so both those mystery schools really started coming through at that time. And so I think there's something remarkable about for those of us who are in women's body, female identity bodies and have the womb and are here giving birth, and I'm not saying that men can't have this experience, but I think for us as women, there's something intrinsically around this need to birth, mm-hmm. not just physical babies, but to birth our visions, our whatever we want to call them, our missions onto the planet through this process. And they're so intimately connected with the with the physical womb, the, the, the cosmic womb, the psychological womb, right? Mm-hmm. Something so powerful in what you shared about that and and how we, you know, I can hear in your story, you know, how it's like we have our ego idea and our expectation of what we're up to and then there is what actually is unfolding in the mystery. Mm-hmm. I really want to acknowledge you, Simon, for your courage to be in the mystery and what it's taken for you to birth yourself into being to birth the mystery school into being to birth your baby into being you know mm-hmm. all, all of that which has shifted since i last really spoke with you. and so mm-hmm. i'm seeing the flourishing goddess in front of me and it's such a beautiful thing to witness so thank you for that so i wonder there's so many places we could go right <laughs> yes <laughs> i'm wondering in in your experience with the goddess okay how do you understand the goddess within your own being like what is your internal experience with her when we speak about the goddess what are we really speaking about because i think we have this idea that she lives outside of us that she's this date Lakshmi, Aphrodite, Lalita, you know, there she is. We have statues of her. We, you know, do puja with her or we do prayers with her. But I suspect that there's another way that you probably teach about this. And I'm, I'm always curious to speak about, like, what do we actually mean? And what is goddess practice? And what does goddess spirituality really mean for us mm-hmm. as well? Mm-hmm. And you're so right. There's obviously that way to connect with her. And I really believe that uh, it's funny, like in, in Islam, you're not supposed to have idol worship, right? So to have the pictures, it's, um, you know, going against God. And what I have tried to explain to my mom without success, but just let it go now, <laughs> is that these are just like she, my mom has her prayer rug, you know, and she has a picture of Mecca, the Kaaba, um, and she's not, it's not idol worship, but they, the, the statues, the pictures, they serve to me as 
mirrors as reflections of our own divinity. And by just a soft focus on them or a worship or a ritual, it's actually a bridge not towards this pedestal deity, but returning home to her within ourselves is how I feel her. And so the imagery, it I feel like it touches that deep, deep, whether we want to call it archetypal or collective conscious or remembrance of her inside of us. So I do love the imagery and, you know, the figurines of the goddess in all her forms, but she's there to awaken through her images, her mantras, her rituals, her presence inside of us. What the women say when they come out on the other side, for example, my school is that, yes, they manifest their dreams and miracles and heal old patterns, but they say the truest gift was that I return home. And for me, the goddess, for us women, is the greatest gift and journey that we can embark on because it is a journey back home. And how I experience her is is very intimately. She's in my yoni. She's in my breast. She's in my intuition. She's in my visions. She's not in my prayers where, like you said, this a deity I'm pleading to outside of me. That was the way I was raised, is that you want to please God. You want to be a good girl. You want to avoid going to hell and you have to fear a God. And he's up there you know, judging and watching everything that you do and think. But the goddess is everywhere and she is accessed through orgasm as much as through prayer right through through the sunshine and just it's as simple as we don't have to do any rituals we could if you just feel the sun penetrating your skin you feel the goddess if you feel the wind kiss you you can feel the goddess right but how i also have had to meet her is in her many different archetypal energies or her shaktis. So that's very important to me. Um, and something I teach my my sisters is sometimes we need her, like right now I'm the mother shakti that comes through with my sweet baby. Um, but then I'm in the high priestess shakti and archetypal energy when I'm teaching my clients. I'm in loverous mode with my beloved, right? I'm deeply pleasured. So she lives through me in my body, in my being, in my intuition, in my womb wisdom, in my cycles, my oneness with the cycles of the womb. And as you were saying, you don't have to be in a female body, you know, or, or in your menstruating ears, like you talked about being menopausal. And it's, we're just connected, right, to the cycles of the earth. And so much goddess worship and traditions uh, revere her as nature, Right whether it's cosmic or earthly or moon. Um, and so for me, it's the most intimate connection with ourselves, within our souls, our hearts, our bodies, and with nature. She's just everywhere. And when we become so intimate with her, she can empower us in each moment. Like if I need to be in warrior mode to set a boundary, you know, without all the guilt that might normally come up, mm. she helps me to switch off like mother or healer mode that might have an overflow of not, not compassion, but like, you know, a fear of saying no and set that boundary with grace and power. Or if I'm feeling maybe a little too feisty, <laughs> then maybe the Lakshmi comes through and just, you know, brings an overflow of love. And so it's so beautiful when you get so intimate with the full spectrum of your own womanhood, mm-hmm. which to me is goddesshood. Um, because, What's most liberating and been so healing for me 
uh, and I don't know how you feel about this, Lane, but like, for example, a lot of time when, when women come to me, they're having manifestation exhaustion or like um, they're feeling basically like spiritual gaslighting, as in I'm so tired of being told I have to think positive all the time. It's the same, like be a good girl and then you'll be rewarded and then you'll get what you want, the thing that you want to manifest. And what I love with the goddess and how I experience her, it's full permission that good things can happen to us and you don't need to have the perfect self-love or worth or confidence or thoughts and positive thinking and high vibration frequencies every minute of the day, right? And you can have sacred rage and grief. And, and the goddess gives us the path, right? The priestess path gives us the tools to alchemize that and to um, help it empower us. So, you know, it doesn't consume us. Yeah. Yeah. You know? So it, I love that you're saying that. And I think that that's so important because I think there's, a, that there's this um, tenacious sort of idea that, you know, it sort of circulates the new age community, right? The, the new age thought that around positivity and around this whole idea that, you know, well, if you could just upgrade your, your system. Yeah. Right. Want to come to you, and from my experience, I mean, there's a both ending there, which is yes, of course. If I'm living into the possibility of my expanded self, which yes. is a Lakshmi medicine, right? Yeah. Then, then I am more able to see that when it's coming towards me, when it's arising, I'm more able to actually experience it and live into it, mm-hmm. as opposed to when I'm in the constriction and in the fear, I can't see it so mm-hmm. readily. However, what's also true in, in a lot of these holograms, and I think it's what you're saying, is that all of these experiences are part of our humanity. And really the goddess is here to be a pathway to the in, enormity of our human experience, both in what we might call the light and the shadow. And that all of that is what actually makes up our humanity. And it's through yes. That we actually become whole, that we actually awaken ourselves yes. through embracing the dark parts of ourselves, the parts that we would rather not see. So that word alchemy that you just used is, you know, you can't alchemize something if you don't bring all the parts in to be alchemized. Which actually is interesting because it leads me to a question that's been sitting here in the space with me, which is I feel guided to just ask you, is there one um, specific goddess that you have had a very in-depth healing experience with. And if, if I'm sure there is, but I'm curious if you might share a little bit of what that experience was for you, just so we can have a little viewpoint into what does it actually really look like to be working with a specific goddess emanation? Mm-hmm. So I would say Aphrodite comes as the first and foremost, you know, because she was such a bridge for me um, in healing and embracing so much of what was sinful and feared and bad to me. And she just gave that permission and coming into sensuality. And so many of us women were critical of our bodies and, you know, we're, we're so, um, I wouldn't want to say obsessed, but the society, the conditioning pressures us so much to think of our body in a way that distracts us from its magic and that our bodies are a portal of so much power and pleasure and the body is a pathway to healing, liberation, transformation, intuition, magic, manifestation, birthing, creating, flourishing, vitality. So with Aphrodite, it was coming back to my body in ways where pleasure felt safe. 
And again, like growing up in the home that I did, there wasn't much room for self-expression in any way. So it was like, okay, well, I can eat a strawberry and I can just privately in my room eat the strawberry like it's God. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So where there wasn't permission for sexual experience or exploration or anything like that, it was like finding sensuality. Um, I had to dress in a certain way, but it was I can, I can get the most nice smelling shower gel and ro rose oil and feel her in that way. So earlier in my life, it was finding ways to safely experience pleasure and, and body. And then now it's so much more liberated. Um, so Aphrodite, absolutely. And again, just the union with my beloved, like we are celebrating 14 years together, 11 years married next week and going to Paris. I'm so grateful for that. And I was sharing with you visiting Magdalene's temple, which my beloved loves going with me to goddess temples whenever we go. So very grateful for that. But in spite of this fertility journey, that was an eight year long fertility journey. And if there's one thing that can just kaputs your your sex life <laughs> this fertility journey where you can get very masculine and obsessive and tracking and doing all the things and thank goddess because i had access to her our sex was always divine and passionate like that was something that i maintained that this is going to be for me mm. i'm still going to experience lovemaking for my body and my pleasure and orgasm. And baby, you're welcome to come this way, <laughs> right? It would be beautiful if you do. Uh, and I will do everything I can to help you, you know, to welcome you and come in. And eventually he was conceived outside of us, which I also see in a way IVF as a miraculous conception and just the way that happens. But like the wounding, right? And the reclamation of her so early became such a foundation for me through our life is always going to bring us a new layer and a depth of a challenge and initiation. And in the fertility journey, it was, okay, pleasure, pleasure. I'm still claiming this for me. Um, and then, you know, that was very intimate. And of course, in business, Lakshmi has been my guide, Lakshmi and Isis. Um, so with Isis, it's like just being in devotion to high priestess, the way that you speak of Magdalene. And I feel maybe that's how I feel about Mother Isis. And how I experience her right now, Lane, is like as goddess of 10,000 names, as mother, as leader, as wife, as woman, as daughter, as friend, right? All these different roles. Um, it can be easy to get overwhelmed, but the way that I can play and dance with them, it feels very blissful to me. And mm -hmm. now I'm at a place where how I teach her is that we women, we, we get to have it all. We're very epically powerful creatresses. But my mission is that let's have it from our feminine. Mm. Body-led, pleasure-led, magic-led, intuition-led, love-led. Not make it happen, you know, <laughs> but <laughs> really? from overflow, overflow. Yeah. That's where it's yeah. at. I love that story. Thank you for sharing that, that vulnerable story, too, about your you know, your journey with Aphrodite as a living embodiment within you. And I think it's really remarkable because I've known a lot of people go through IVF. And uh, back in the day when I was a therapist, this is one of the things that I worked a lot with women on was fertility journeys and couples and all of that. And, um, and what is so amazing about that is, yeah, one of the things that gets really damaged is the relationship to sexuality because it, it becomes a task, right? You have to do it on this day, you need to do this right. day. It becomes very regimented, almost like a job. Well, we yes. 
better get it on because mm-hmm. um and the fact that you were able to stay connected into your passion and your adoration and your, you know, the sensuality of your sexuality and making love and not have it become a job that needed to be done is, I think, testament to that living embodiment and that attention to allowing her to come through you and allowing yourself to really um, be a devotee of her, right? And that's when I think about the word devotion, a lot of people ask me about that word devotion. You know, for me, the devotion, the devotional aspect of goddess, of being in the energy of the goddess is, is that it's, that, that we are becoming the vessel of that. We become, it, it, it's something that you can't help but do. It just is. It comes through you without you even trying. Like it just is. And when we are in the full presence of that within ourselves, there's no more, you know, it's not like we have to make it happen. It just is who we are. We, we, we know how to access that part of our, all of us that lives within all of us. And that's what's so powerful about the goddesses, right? Is they live within all of us. Yeah. Thank you. And I, and I know you're celebrating your, your son and and your, your husband and you're all going to Paris next week. And I think it's so, so timely when we started this conversation of y'all who are listening this is how the goddess works right not only is Simon wearing red as I told you but I started off by sharing with her a little bit about the red podcast and I was talking about the Magdalene as being one of my primary guides and goddesses that I really work with energies and um, she announced that she's off to Paris next week or yeah to go and celebrate her anniversary and going to one of the temples of the Magdalene of the basilicas as they're called in that lineage but temples mm-hmm. really Yes, exactly. Magdalene. And so I love how Mother weaves the story behind under the weft and warp of our existence, right? And I hope that in listening to Simon today, you found yourself inside this story. And I think the bigger picture overview that I'm taking away from the conversation, Simon, is this recovery that we're all still so deeply in of the feminine in both men and women from the horrifying abuse of patriarchal systems and oppression and religions that have um, defiled and defamed and abused and reviled the feminine. And we're still very much in that conversation. And I know that you have been one that has stood up and really traveled through that arc most powerfully in your own life to be where you are now as a woman that comes from a, a very heavy Muslim background. And I just, I just want it for any of you who are listening out there who whatever systems of oppression you have experienced in your life and wherever you are in your, the recovery and the healing of that trauma, know that you have the opportunity to be held. There are so many places, there are so many of us now who have made this journey and who are here to lift up the sisters who are coming behind us and to be here to hold and to love you as you find yourselves again. And I just feel really the need to say that because I don't think there's any one of us, no matter where we come from or what systems we grew up in, we have different privileges for sure, but I think we all as women have had our own experiences of this kind of abuse, mm-hmm. this kind of marginalization mm-hmm. that we're all still healing from and at different places from. So thank you for sharing that with us and for being there in the world. Yeah. Thank you so much for witnessing and sharing and just 
I love you so much. And I'm so grateful for walking this path alongside you and sisters like you, Elaine. It's such yeah. a thing. Well, We're not alone. We're rising and we are just bringing everyone along and it's happening. Yeah. And that's really what it comes down to. So you can find out more about Saima. Um, her details are on the podcast page and um, you can find her at her website. You can find her on IG, you can find her on Facebook. And then there's also a link to a free gift that's on the page as well. So feel free to check out what Saima's up to in her world. And thank you, love, for being here and giving your time to us so generously. Thank you so much, my sister. You know what? I forgot. <gasps> no, I no, I, yeah, because, because Magdalene wants to have you right now. So I ask these questions to everyone okay. that comes onto the road. Okay. The last thing that we <laughs> and these questions came from Red. When I first said I do the Red podcast, she was like, well, this is what you have to ask everybody. You can talk about anything else, but these are the three things. So are you ready? Okay, I'm ready. Saima, <laughs> what do you avoid but secretly yearn to express oh what do i avoid but secretly wish to express mm. Mm, let me explore this one singing singing oh yeah it's like mantras i'd love to chant them i chant them to my baby but i teach them but i won't sing them yes yes i love that one i i also had that one the singing yeah? well, absolutely because you know i was one of the ones that was told in school that i couldn't hold a tune and i got myself up oh and my the matter is is Everybody can hold a tune. We just need yes. to, to listen and be, someone can teach you how to do that. Who knew? Okay. <laughs> okay. Question. What is the most revealing thing about you that you hide? What is the most revealing thing about me that I hide? Hmm. <sighs> I'm trying to think because I've just... I've come so far in revealing. <laughs> like lately, I've been sharing actually as a new mother glimpses of my lingerie because that's been part of my journey back to Aphrodite and new motherhood with my body, how it's changed. Um, but there must be something, right? Well, this is, she's just asking you to go. Well, you know what? I, I like when I take my bath, I've been kind of tempted to show an image of like, maybe the leg in the bath because my baths are rituals and each bath is like drawn for a goddess infused with her energy and her mantras. So maybe something over there. <laughs> something around that. Well, I want to honor you for, for stepping over that threshold of sharing the post-pregnancy, postpartum body. And mm. I think that that is a beautiful gifting. So thank you for that. Okay. Is what are you devoted to? Oh, the goddess. <laughs> the goddess above all. Because every blessing that I have received in my life is through her grace. Hmm. Isn't that the truth? Yeah. Thank you, Simon, for being here with us. Thank you, everyone else, for being part of this flourishing goddess. And one of my questions will be here for you. 
is how are you being called to flourish more in your life? I love the word flourishing. I love the word blossoming. I love the word ripening. So what is it that wants to more fully express itself through you? You know, I'm devoted to your highest, greatest, wildest, most kinky, eccentric, beautiful, unusual expression. That's the truth of it. Because when I see that in you, I am inspired to bring that forward in myself. And that's a much more interesting world to live in. From my heart to yours, loves. Thank you, Sandra. <laughs> I'll be back very soon. Bye for now, loves. I want to thank you for listening to this episode of The Red Podcast. It's been an honor to have you here with us. As Red Women, we are here leading from the edges of our own evolution, birthing new worlds into being through our bodies, our hearts, our minds, and our beautiful presence. If you would like to be in contact with me, I love hearing from you. You can find me on Instagram at elaine.kalila or over on my website, elainekalila.com. And lastly, I'd like to invite you, if you loved this episode, to go ahead and share this with someone that you think might enjoy it too. It's through us sharing our hearts with one another and inspiring one another that we reveal our red, that evolutionary edge that is just waiting to be fully expressed in all aspects of our world. Until next time, many, many blessings.